0: Hello! QueerAF is now an independent community interest company. Our podcast's first four seasons were funded by National Student Pride, and so there might be some old calls to action in them. For the most up-to-date info on our podcast that funds budding LGBTQIA audio producers, visit wearequeeraf.com and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that sums up the LGBTQIA world and supports queer creatives kickstart their career. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast. I'm journalist Jamie Wareham.
2: And I'm Student Pride Press Officer Charlie Mathers. This month we're joined by award-winning LGBT and HIV advocate Bc Alimi.
0: We spoke about the hashtag Black Lives Matter.
3: As a black person, I'm only a bullet away from being an hashtag.
2: Racism in the LGBT community.
3: You know, when, when it was happening to me, I, I didn't really know. How much widespread um, it was at that time until I started talking to friends, Asians, um, Brazilians, um, other black people.
0: And whether Nigeria will ever accept gay people.
3: But there will be a time where um, LGBT people in Nigeria will be able to live an autistic life.
2: Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast.
0: Welcome to the National Student Pride Podcast, where we keep our pride of conversation continuing all year round.
2: If you haven't listened before, every month we invite Student Pride speakers, friends and supporters to come on the show to get to know them better and get their views on the topics the LGBT plus community wants to talk about.
0: This month we're joined by award-winning activists whose brave decision to come out meant that he was forced out of his home country of Nigeria. Here with us today we have the HIV and LGBTI rights activist, Busy Alimi.
3: Thank you guys for having me. I'm really, It's a great pleasure to be here. Thank you so much
0: for having me. So let's start with the biggest and most recent movements you've been involved with, Busy, the Black Lives Matter movement. I want to start with your tattoo before we talk about the recent Oxford Street protest you went to.
3: Well, you know, it it started from when I saw um, um, a a, a Twitter um, post from someone, I've forgotten what the name is, we don't follow each each other. And she said on our Twitter um, feed that as a black person, I'm only... A bullet away from being an hashtag and that stuck with me i was like wait a minute this is really true um because you look at a terminal rise hashtag terminal rise you look at um you know i i can't even start counting all the names and then they get short and they become an hashtag and i just said you know one thing is i could just have Black Lives Matter on oh my on oh my arm um, and get away with it, but I really don't want to do that. It's an hashtag uh, that really means something to me, and um, I'm I'm in an interracial relationship, and I always remind my partner that don't forget uh, that I am a bullet away from being an hashtag. And if anything happens to me, I want to die knowing that I have my hashtag with me. And um, and yeah, so that was why I have to make it an hashtag and not just uh, a word.
0: But but that's why you joined the Oxford Street move uh, protest a, a couple of weeks ago.
3: Indeed. Um, it was a Sunday morning. It was raining. The protest was supposed to be it started at 10 a.m. And um, I... I was really looking forward to going even two days before because I've never been on any of the protests before I knew I wasn't going to play any active role I knew I was going to stay at the background I don't want anybody to to i really don't I, do, I really don't think I am prepared yet to be actively involved in in the movement so i I stayed at the back but I was happy to be there it was um it was a very liberating moment for me, and it wasn't so much about the blacks the Asians that I saw on the protests on the Sunday morning when it was raining around 8 o'clock, it was the whites that came out and were saying, we are tired of institutional racism that is targeting blacks, women, black men, um, black gays, black trans, and we have to do something. And it was from a position of responsibility. I don't think, you know, most times when you raise the issue of police brutality against black people... In the frame of race, a lot of white people feel so uncomfortable. It's not an attack on black people, on, on white people. It's an attack on the system that is that's created such an attack. But unfortunately, the reason, I, and I know the reason a lot of white people get so scared of you attacking the system is because they benefit from the system. And a shift in the system means that they will lose something and they're not ready to.
0: Now, I want to stay with racism, but I actually want to focus it in particularly on the LGBT community. Because when you was at Student Pride this year, that's something you spoke about. So it's going to play a clip back of <laughs> you speaking at Student Pride this year.
3: Within the gay community, I'm not seen as a person. And that is a big thing. Or oh, you want to get into bar. And so many times I've been asked at GAY, at the door, do you know this is a gay bar? And I'm like, really, it's 1 a.m.? In the middle of the night, I'm standing in queue to get into this place. And you're asking me if I know this is a gay bar.
2: It's so sad that you think you'd find a safe space within the LGBT community, but apparently not sometimes, and just because of the colour of your skin. How prevalent of a problem do you think it is within the UK?
3: It, it, is, um, it is a very big problem um, within the UK. But, you know, after, after this um, tape, I went home and I realised that I um overstate my privilege as well. Because one of the one of one word that I left out in um one of one group that I left out in my conversation is, is the issue of trans people. I didn't really mention trans people and I and I got home and I was like, Oh I'm so selfish. Um because I, I kind of even have it easier as a black gay person, trying to operate and navigate my way within the gay setting in London compared to the the kind of bullshit that um trans people have to face um a lot of the time and um you know when when it was happening to me i I didn't really know how much widespread. Um, it was at that time until I started talking to friends, Asians, um, Brazilians and other black people. And they were like, oh, I've experienced it. And also I was finding that a lot of them were refusing to go out. And they were like, no, there's no point going out, you know, because I cannot deal with having to explain, explain myself and having to justify the reasons why I have to come to a space um, that belongs to all of us. And then the situation in um, in Manchester happened when it happened to John Amechi, um, where he was, you know, everybody knows John. John is one of the, you know, he, he has a name and is very prominent. Known He's,
0: as the first openly uh, out NBA basketball NBA player. Right, basketball, basketball player.
3: Yeah. And John was denied access into a gay bab. And... You know, it just shows that no matter how famous you are, um, no matter how rich you are, um, there's still going to be a place that the colour of your skin will will tell you that you cannot enter. Will you just explain actually what happened to to John for those who don't know? Um, I think he was going to a bar in Manchester. And um, I think it was also the very subtle, you know, this is a a gay bar kind of thing and they wouldn't let him in. And then, because he was with a group of friends and his friend caught up with him and they were white and they allowed those, no, wait, they were saying that this is a membership club. <laughs> I remember. So they were like, oh, this, this is a membership club, this is a membership, and they, get, they kept going on and because he it doesn't, it's never been a membership club, but they wouldn't let him in. And then his friends came and his friend went in and he realised they never asked them for their membership card and that was when he dawned on him that, wait a minute, could this be because, you know, I'm black. And those kind of things are subtle because they never said we'll never let you in because you're black. And um, you have to be emotionally aware to know that under this hypocrisy of um, membership card is the fact that it's, we just don't want black people here.
0: How would you describe the levels of racism on, on the LGBT scene?
3: I love to address you know, the very visible racism you know, when I walk down the street and somebody screamed nigger, I would stop and punch the first the person in the first and people say, Oh, you're being violent. I said, No, I'm not being violent. He called for it. He wants to know what he, how a nigger acts and I will show him how a nigger act. Because next time he's not gonna he's not gonna call a black person a nigger again. Um but I, I I can deal I can I can take action on those. The ones that I can take action on is when I stand at a bar and um it's visible that I've been there for a long time but everyone that comes after me gets served and I don't get served and then we become two black guys and the band don't guess I have three black guys and we kind of like look at each other and we're like really maybe it's time to go home.
2: Okay so back to the whole kind of people find it weird to see someone who is black and gay or Asian and gay why do you think that is that if you see someone who's white and gay they're like oh yeah that's fine but when it comes to kind of other races why is it so weird? is pop
3: culture is you know is the way pop culture has um promoted it. I'm happy to be one of the fortunate person to grace the cover of a game magazine. <laughs> I don't think that you you see a lot of that within the BME community. Um you don't see that much of that. And it just had kind of things that are very subtle. You know, when you talk about representation, a lot of people don't get it. And I think, you know, looking at the Olympics this year and when you see um Simone Biles winning um a medal or um you see, you know, the the led to the hashtag black girl magic and you see black girls or black guys winning doing things different from having their mug, shop, mug shots showing for committing a crime, you become aspirational as um, as a black person to say these people can do it. But when people like you are not known and are not seen, you come to conclusion that people like us don't do these things. So when we talk about um, LGBT issues in this country, look at all the magazines, there are always certain types of gay men. So it's not just about race, actually. It's also about body shaming. So there's always a type, certain type of people that stays on the cover of magazine, from Diva to Attitude to Keyworks.
0: Absolutely, and, and that's something that Matthew Todd, the former editor of Attitude, spoke about at Student Pride before I remember him saying, you know, we put Stephen Fry on the front of the cover once, uh, a very intelligent man. He was there to talk about, you know, mental health. One of the worst selling issues ever, because when they don't put a beautiful or what is considered a beautiful man on the front of the cover, the magazine doesn't sell. You've picked up on representation there as one of the key ways to kind of tackle racism in the LGBT community. What else would you like to see the community doing to tackle it?
3: Yeah. Before I I, I go to what else we need to do, um, I've taken this case that you raised, I've taken it up with a lot of um, magazines. You see, the the, the thing is, is for for a lot of us who are um, aware of how the media works, the media, for years, has fed us of what is perfect, what is beauty perfect. Uh, the media's federal slim woman with cough or white man with abs, then you cannot then come back after you feeding me um, cereal every day, every day, every day, every day of my life. And then you give me um, porridge and then I reject porridge and so, so I'm not going to give you porridge again because you don't like porridge. Because I will react to something that I don't know. And that is why it matters that, you know, I don't want to see every um, cover of Attitude. And that has changed and I have to give that to Attitude because the current cover of Attitude I actually have, Naomi Campbell and well, I keep forgetting his name, and Jesse or whatever it is, from, um, from Empire on the front cover. And now it's not just about putting me on the cover, but making me part of the production process. It's also very important. So when um Ellen um tweeted a picture of her on the back of Houston Boat, um, a lot of people do not understand why a lot of black people are upset. And I and I posted on Facebook, I said, you know, in-text is different from impact. Yeah, the intention of Ellen is to make people laugh. But the impact is a reminder of for black people in America when their forefathers were used as carriers and as as footstools and and the rest, and they have every right to be angry. And if Ellen has more black people around her, they will have cautioned her and said, Yeah, this is funny. it goes this way.
0: Another thing that you do alongside standing up for LGBT rights, you also talk a lot about HIV, which is obviously a big problem for the LGBT community, but also, you know, in particular back home in Nigeria. So we've got a clip from your TEDx talk you did in Berlin two years ago. We're going to play you now.
3: Nigeria morality is dictated by religion. Everybody must live their life either according to the Bible or according to the Quran. And for Minister for Health... To cause somebody like me who is openly gay to be part of the HIV decision-making of the country was a huge step.
2: It's absolutely incredible that you were invited to help the government fight HIV. How much are you still involved with activism in Nigeria?
3: I currently run um, a foundation uh, called the Bisi Alimi Foundation and the whole idea behind that is to use research to change hearts and minds in Nigeria. I don't live there anymore. I can't provide services for people who are living with HIV but I can influence um, the decisions um, being taken by the um, policy makers by providing enough data and statistics for them to know um, what is going on using um, the charity. I, I think to be honest To be very honest, um, I am more involved in um, politics in this country than I am actually in Nigeria. I really don't really like, um, I I don't really feel I'm very active in Nigeria anymore. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments.
1: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today.
0: I'm I'm glad you picked up on UK politics, actually, because I did want to touch upon that while we're talking about HIV. Big storm over PrEP recently. What's your thoughts on that? Um, and for people that don't know, PrEP? It's pre-exposure prophylaxis. Mm-hmm. Now,
3: one of the biggest problems that I have for PrEP, and, and you know, the, the problem that I have with a PrEP crusader... Is that it, it, they operate on a, on a spectrum of either or, and they don't really want to hear that there are people that have a lot of concerns about what's beyond prep and did not really want to listen to that and that was why I've not come out in support of the argument. I you never see me say anything about it. You never I've been approached many times to, you know, be one of the spokesperson for it, most especially within the black gay community. And I've been very open about it. I really do not want to be part of it. Not because I don't support the access to it. But the is is the reality that prep only stops you from contracting HIV. Um, there are much more deadly, things um than HIV. Um, there, there is syphilis, there's gonorrhea, there's chlamydia, um, there's hepatitis C. Um, PrEP don't stop you from these things. And I just don't want us to have a med, an, um, an agenda of medically pumping people for one thing, where there are all the things that you can get from unprotected sex.
0: So is your concern that people stop using condoms because they're taking PrEP instead?
3: Maybe the question, do people stop using condom when they're on PrEP? And and I'm sure a lot of people do. I'm not saying everybody, but a lot of people do. And that is a question that we need to talk to ourselves about about, uh, 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 as a community. And I do understand, you know, there will be some people that condom is not for them. And there is there is nothing that we can do about that, um, but it's also very important to to live beyond the fairy tale of um, take prep, take prep because people have to understand that prep is not the solution to your problem. It solves part of your problem. It's not it doesn't fit the bigger picture, and we have to be very honest with that. Uh, do we ha- are we having that very honest conversation? I don't uh, think so. And but. Honestly I would not speak against prep uh, it works um and I think people should have access to it. And it's a disgrace that um, the um, the public of England is refusing to implement um, the PrEP strategy because we shouldn't forget Proud study, which which was the biggest study of access to PrEP, was funded by the British government. And then the result came that, you know, it works. And then we say no, we're not going to do it. How stupid can we get?
2: Back to the story that you told in your TED talk, the story of Ibrahim, how much does that story kind of still drive you today when you're being an advocate?
3: You know, I um I don't think I would have been um I don't think I would have been a very strong um HIV activist if um Ibrahim had not died, and it's it's really unfortunate that. It had to die for me to actually find my calling. All I wanted to be was an actor and um I, I really don't have time for all this kind of, I, I do go to gay parties and I do see people who call themselves activists. I really don't have time for them. All I wanted to do all my life was to be an actor and I went to university to study that. But when my friend, my best friend was dying, um the word that he said, last word he said to me before I left, which was like, you know, you can do this. You can start a revolution. I know you and I know what you can do. So you have to go to the community and get this message across to them. And I promised him. And I think that never left me. And it's still, you know, many times when I feel very weak, uh, I feel very frustrated about, you know, things not going the way I have planned. Or maybe I should just change my career and do something else. His voice just came back. To me, and just just kind of reminded me that no, this is not. I remember um, earlier this year I applied to um, University of the Law, and I was just going to be a lawyer. And I got I I was given admission. I got everything going. There were even people ready to sponsor me, and there were law firms that were ready to take me on. And halfway, and I said, I know what would O'Brien say? Um, I, I this is not a struggle that I can just walk away from, and. Um, yeah, it's still one of the biggest things that drives me. But I think that is coupled with the fact that um I know many Ibrahim that might be being open openly living with HIV or being openly gay or being openly affirming I've stopped from either killing themselves or as encouraged to go for the HIV test, as encouraged to be taking the medication and I've kind of like got their life back and that really also means a lot to me
0: do you think you're going to see the day where you can stop and pursue your acting career or is that just too far off in our lifetime? Uh,
3: There are a few projects that I'm working on now and um, I'm not allowed to talk about it so much. because Oh, no, tell us.
0: You can't say (laughs) that and then not tell us. My
3: My agent and my manager, they're going to kill me. Um, But I think um, I... Um, Thanks to my very good friend. Let me do name dropping. Kathleen. Kathleen Jenner. I think I've been able to, like, find a way that I can infuse the two. And um, I'm working on that currently. And um, I actually...
0: Sorry, so you're working on a project with Kathleen Jenner. I didn't say that.
3: I think you did. I did not say that. I just said thanks. I just said thanks to my friend. I did not say that. Um, But, but, um, oh, you're not going to get me? (laughs) No, I did not say that. But uh, on the 29th of September, hopefully I will be... Be um having a one one off um show um in London and um it's a stage show and it is about um um an article written by a Nigerian guy that says um the title of it which is in Granta um says Africa is not ready for stupid black men like us and um it's talking about um the rejection of LGBT people and it was a true life story. His friend was killed, he ran away, he lives in the US now and I will be performing that on stage Um, and that will be the first time I will ever be on stage um, since 2004. So <laughs> I'm a little bit nervous uh, on stage acting, yeah, and I've been on stage speaking, so I'm a little bit nervous, and um, it's feeling like a dream come true for me that I, okay, I'm actually having the opportunity to prove to myself again that I can still act. Um, but that's the only thing that I, I will I will talk about as far as that's concerned.
2: <laughs> so, do you think that there will ever be a day that Nigeria will accept gay? Yeah,
3: I I do know that there will be a day that Nigeria will accept. Um, homosexuality um, change is inevitable no matter how much we fight against change change is the only thing that happens um, and it's the only thing that changed the course of, of history um, there will be a time um, maybe not in my lifetime but there will be a time where um, LGBT people in Nigeria will be able to live an authentic life it's not too far I'm not sure how close
2: well isn't that a very poignant ending thanks busy for joining us today this has been the national student pride podcast you can subscribe to the
0: podcast on itunes listen on the go with audio boom or listen on gaystarnews.com don't forget to tweet us at student pride and let us know what you think of the show
2: if you haven't yet checked out our first two episodes with nail transphobia activist charlie craggs and how to be gay and happy author matthew todd check those out as well listen to them they're really good see you next month